Welcome to the Mind Body Health program. Uh, Mind Body Health is hosted by Dr. Marvin Trotter. My name's Cobb. I'm in the studio. I may interrupt with a question. But having said that, welcome, Dr. Marvin Trotter. How are you? Um, we have a great show today. Everybody should listen. In fact, everybody should call a friend and tell them to listen to the show because this applies to everybody. I'm very happy that Annie Frasinello Ursley, a nutritionist that I work with at 1050 North State Street, is on the air with me. And you know she's dedicated because she has a T-shirt on. And the T-shirt says, fiber is the new protein. That is what I call coming to the show ready to work. Okay. So, first of all, Annie, how did you – welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. How did you get to Mendocino County? Thank you, Dr. Trotter. It's a pleasure to be here. So, I was actually born and raised here in Mendocino County, here in Ukiah, in fact. And – had the opportunity to do my schooling here, Mendocino College, etc., and then cruised over to UC Davis to, to finish the job there and had the opportunity to perform my dietetic internship at the UC Davis Med Center before I, my heart brought me back to Mendocino County where my roots lie. And um, I was lucky enough to, to have a job at um, Ukiah Valley Med Center, which is now Adventist Health Ukiah Valley. And um, continued my career from there. So I'm more than happy to be here. And um, I'm currently working as the registered dietitian and a diabetes educator within Adventist Health. Been doing it for 15 years and loving every moment of it. So Annie, tell us um, about um, somebody else might want to become a dietitian. We need more of you. Um, you just graduated from high school in Ukiah. What would you do? So I, w- I fully recommend staying local, and, and Mendocino College is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Um, the transfer assessment agreement program that they have there uh, really helps you um, springboard into a, a four-year college and um, continue to launch into your career, um, and that was the path I took, and I recommend it for anybody that you know wants to save a little bit financially and um, and basically be ready to be successful at a at a four year college. I know. I remember Iva Joado taking two years here, and then she went to Berkeley. That the transfer is pretty easy. It's wonderful, and yeah, you're guided along the way. And um, I felt like I had a phenomenal, phenomenal foundation that helped me be successful at, at UC Davis and beyond. Okay. Well, the first topic we're going to describe or talk about this morning is fiber. So, tell us all about fiber. So, I, I probably get a little too excited about fiber, but maybe there's no such thing as that. Uh, so, fiber is um, what I like to call the forgotten nutrient. Um, I feel like we don't think about fiber unless we're thinking about bowels. And sometimes people talk about fiber and then they get a little embarrassed because it may lead to conversations about constipation or diarrhea. Um, but fiber is really a nutritional powerhouse that everybody needs to be in tune with and appreciative of and excited about. And that's what I would love to talk about more today is the link between our fiber intake and basically all of the top preventable problems that Americans are facing today from childhood into adulthood. Well, this is interesting because doctors aren't taught nutrition very much. And you brought up the first thing that fiber, when I think of fiber is you need to eat more fiber so you won't be constipated. But I had no idea that fiber had so much interactions with everything else. 
Absolutely. So it's pretty fascinating when you look at the link between um, fiber intake and the prevention of our top diseases. So you look at the, the number one disease that's killing Americans these days, which remains heart disease, top killer. And as our fiber increase, our fiber intake increases, um, our heart disease risk decreases significantly. And that's just one example. We look at diabetes, we look at our cancer incidents, all of those are directly linked to our fiber intake. And what is fiber for anyone who just doesn't even know it all? Thank you, Cobb. So I would love to explain in a Good simplistic point. way what fiber is. So fiber is classified as a carbohydrate. It's a non-digestible carbohydrate. There's a lot of different types of fiber, um, but because fiber is that, that kind of non-digestible material that moves through our digestive tract, um, it is the most amazing food for our gut microbiome. And anybody that's even remotely interested in, in nutrition, you're probably aware of the fascinating findings um, regarding our gut microbiome that have been coming out the last decade. So um, going back to fiber, a lot of that's directly linked to how much fiber and the variety of fiber that we're consuming daily. Discuss gut microbiome for a moment. Absolutely. So our gut microbiome, um, this is a huge organ basically with, within our gut that um, has a huge impact on our immune function, on our genetic material, on our GI health, of course, um, but also on our disease risk. And if we support our, our gut microbiome in a healthy way, we can literally turn on or turn off um, certain diseases that we may have been predisposed to. Um, and so if we can take care, again, in a healthy manner um, of that precious microbiome, um, we can basically you know, turn those risk factors around and turn on health and wellness. I was shocked to read that if you are born breech, I mean, excuse me, born by C-section versus vaginally, that you have seven times the rate of having um, gluten problems. Oh, uh, interesting. That's the fun fact that I wasn't aware of. And it's because of the uh, colonization that you get being born vaginally. It goes back to what is is in your gut and um, how certain antibiotics ruin your gut and give you C. difficile infections. Absolutely. And having a healthy gut bacteria is real important to your immune system, et cetera, et cetera. It really is. And that's where, you know, it goes back to fiber. I know there's a lot of media attention surrounding probiotic supplements, and there is a time and a place for those. But um, the biggest benefit, again, is eating a variety of plant-type fibrous foods day in day out so, so when i think of fiber examples? i always tell people huh question what are some quick examples for folks that don't know just you know fiber common in our diets absolutely Cobb. <laughs> thank I'm, you so yeah fiber does not have to be a, a scary term or an unknown term so fiber is naturally found in fruits vegetables beans and whole grains emphasis on the whole part of the grain um so We've probably been taught since we were young, eat more fruits and vegetables. That still is absolutely true. Um, as many fruits and vegetables as we can get in, the more the variety, the better. Um, but a huge shout out for the legume family, the bean family. Don't be afraid of beans. Beans are cheap. They're easy. They're versatile. We want to bring them into the diet daily if we can. And beans can be everything from hummus to um, a simple little taco made with some beans and fajita vegetables. Um, or you can get really creative and incorporate beans into your dessert items and snacks, etc. So 
Um, again, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans are primary sources of fiber. We do get smaller amounts from things like nuts and seeds. Um, so some people tell me, though, when I tell them to eat beans, that they get a lot of gas, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember Matosian telling me, tell the people just to shut up. And after about 10 days, that seems to go away, that their body uh, adjusts to that. Is there any truth to, oh, I took fiber and it made me bloat and made me feel bad, but apparently that's a transitory thing? Absolutely. No, you hit the nail on the head there where um, our body does have to adjust to increase fiber intake and legumes or, or beans are right in that category where if we haven't been eating beans for months or years and then all of a sudden we're eating two cups a day because our gastroenterologist said so, we're going to feel some GI distress. The body needs to adjust. And a lot of times that GI distress, so to speak, is the good, healthy bacteria in your gut trying to proliferate over the bad bacteria, which is a good thing. But in the process of that battle, sometimes you do have a little gas and bloating. As you said so beautifully, if you, know, if you start slower and you gradually increase your intake of fiber mm-hmm. over the course of one to two weeks, you know, those side effects will dissipate for sure. Okay. So... Um, I was shocked to read that there is no colon cancer in Africa. And having had three friends in the last 30 days uh, um, be stricken with colon cancer, I was more shocked about you know reading about this article. And why is there no colon cancer in Africa? So great question, Dr. Trotter. And I'm sorry to hear about, about your friends and their, their diagnoses. Um, colon cancer is definitely on the rise. But yeah, there's parts of the world like Africa where we, we don't see that, that incidence of colon cancer, fiber intake is incredibly high, incredibly high in, in those regions where we don't see colon cancer, where we see little to no breast cancer. Um, so there's, there's some very profound links between daily fiber intake and certain types of cancer. Um, and again, we look at the top things that are, that are plaguing us here in the United States, cancer being, um, being number two directly linked to our our daily fiber intake this is fascinating to me because it makes sense with colon cancer i know that if you want to have less colon cancer eat less red meat and more fiber that seems very true to me or understandable but i'm surprised when you talk about autoimmune diseases and other types of cancer i had no idea that fiber was related to that absolutely and the benefit there is um another fascinating fact about fiber is when, when we feed our, our gut microbiome correctly and those healthy bacteria um, are eating that amazing fiber that we're giving it, um, the byproduct is these short-chain fatty acids. And these are really the, the powerhouse that, um, that helps prevent disease, whether we're talking about supporting the lining of your colon, whether we're talking about you know turning on that amazing immune function, calming inflammation, um, it's all about those short chain fatty acids and it comes right back to, you know, consuming that variety of fiber to, to feed that healthy bacteria. Tell me again how short chain fatty acids have to do with the fiber. So short chain fatty acids are, if we look at kind of the, this, uh, biotic world within us, we have prebiotics, which is the fiber we eat probiotics, which are the microbiome or microbes living within our microbiome. And then we have postbiotics, which are produced by that bacteria. And those are short chain fatty acids. And that endpoint is what then drives all of those great benefits that we're seeking from a high fiber diet. She makes me want to go out and eat carrots. <laughs> that is the point, Dr. Trotter. Let's get excited about fiber. 
so really, Cobb, um, my next question um, is um, I saw on the radio or TV, and it fascinated me, it was called um, Game Changer. Where is that their show? Yeah. About the Baltimore Yeah, it's a Ravens? phenomenal, phenomenal documentary. Tennessee so, Titans, I believe. Tennessee Titans. Okay. So everybody, if you want to see an interesting uh, health nutrition show, listen to this Game Changer because uh, uh, my wife, having seen the show, I've had artificial chicken three times and only veggie dinners twice in the last 10 days. <laughs> so yeah, the Game Train Changers is a phenomenal documentary that came out some years ago and um, really does a phenomenal job of explaining a lot of the benefits of eating more plants. And the Game Changers focuses on um, on plant-based athletes and their benefits. But this is what gets me about the movie. You have defensive tackles for professional football teams eating like this. They're not sitting there in front of 64-ounce steaks and eggs. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, Dr. Trotter. And that's where what's written on my t-shirt today, fiber is the new protein. We really need to start putting more emphasis on our fiber intake. And whether you're looking at an athlete that's trying to make gains and recover quicker from workout to workout and perform at top notch every time they're out at an event, um, or you're looking at somebody who just doesn't want to follow in their family's footsteps and end up with type 2 diabetes, fiber is our friend. Fiber is that key. Much more so than protein. But I do think that um, it is, um, you know, you're brought up in football in Texas as I was, and it was how many eggs have you eaten today? How big of a steak have you eaten today? Because you want to be a tough football player. Uh, I never made it as a tough football player in Texas weighing 152 pounds, just to let you know. (laughs) Um, But the um, other fascinating uh, talk about the show is think about what tobacco told America about cigarettes for decades. Absolutely. Tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. Oh, it's wonderful for you. Wonderful for you. It calms your nerves. Tobacco's the way. Oh no, tobacco doesn't cause any problems. Lying out of their ass all the time about um, you know tobacco doesn't cause cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And some people gave a similarity to what processed foods and et cetera, is on the TV. I opened up some magazine that showed some 65-year-old woman about getting different foods, and the, in the picture was four packs of French fries. So I, would you talk a little bit about the onslaught of advertising we have and processed foods? Absolutely. No, and there is, yeah, there is big money there. There, there are definitely some concerns as far as integrity there with what's happening with the media attention, as well as the research and what's shared um, as far as our scientific literature. Um, and there are, just for those who do want to seek you know, some, some nutrition-based truth and know that when they're looking at literature and looking at what they should be, be eating, nutritionfacts.org is a really great resource where the research has been vetted. We know that it hasn't been, um, been adjusted, so to speak, um, to make it more favorable for um, for profit. Say that app once more time. Um, nutritionfacts.org. Nutritionfacts.org. So you can go on your computer. Absolutely. So I, what I, is a healthy fiber diet consist of? I mean, is it 
when you talk about athletes and increasing performance and so forth, are they eating primarily like diets based on dried beans that are cooked or, or what? What is that? Absolutely. So they're eating those, those top four fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. And this is where people become so fearful of, of carbohydrates that they're not eating the fiber. They're eating a bunch of meat, eggs, dairy, um, and pushing the fiber out. We're looking for the best diet, whether it's for an athlete, whether it's for your average um, Joe or Jane that's just trying to prevent disease. Um, we have a, a large amount of fruits and vegetables on our plate. Um, we have also a large amount of beans and whole grains. And then for those, for those folks that are still consuming animal protein, animal protein is more of the condiment or the side dish, not the, the center of the plate, not the star of the show. And um, there's a lot of helpful tools that myself and my colleagues utilize when we're counseling um, patients in the community that are great visuals and can help guide people day in, day out, you know, towards a healthier diet. But the main thing that I can say is if, you know, if you can load your plate, half a plate with vegetables, quarter plate of um, either potatoes, beans, wild rice, quinoa, barley, and then that last quarter plate, if you are consuming animal protein, that's the spot for the animal protein. Or better yet, if you're doing a mixture of beans and whole grains on that other half of the plate, um, that's when you really reap the rewards. I was surprised when someone told me that the protein that you need to eat at a meal should be smaller than the palm of your hand. Absolutely. So deck of cards are smaller is what we're, what we're looking for. Oh, deck of cards portion. Okay. So um, what else is good for people? Like what about rolled oats, oatmeal in the morning, that kind of thing? Yeah, let me walk you through a day. So I can walk you through a 40 gram fiber a day. And if you look at the amount of fiber that we're supposed to be eating on a daily basis, for women, it's about 25 grams. Um, for guys, it is upwards of about 40 grams a day. And people go, well, how in the heck am I going to eat that much fiber on a given day? And I'm more than happy to walk you through an example or even just a, a meal. So a, a great breakfast meal to start out with would be um, about a cup of, of um, cooked oatmeal, half a cup or more of blueberries mixed into that oatmeal. Um, and then you could sprinkle a little bit of nuts and seeds on top for some fiber bonus. But even just with the, the berries and the oats, we've already got about 10 grams of fiber in that meal. And that's what we're shooting for. Those, those folks that, that like to kind of label read and count and measure, we're shooting for 10 grams or more per meal. Mm -hmm. Cool. And if we're looking at, at snack options too, um, apple and a little bit of peanut butter. The peanut butter won't give you a ton, about two grams of fiber, but apple and, and most medium to large sizes of fruit, you know, three to five grams right there. Um, and then a lunch option. Sandwich is one of our go-to American lunches, but typically it's a sandwich on white bread or a big white roll, no fiber. Um, and then we've got mayo, mustard, cold cuts, bacon, cheese, no fiber. If we switch that around and we do a sandwich made with whole grain, two slices, six grams of fiber, boom. And then we put hummus on there instead of um, the mayonnaise, We've got another one to two grams of fiber. We're up to eight grams. And then we put lettuce, we put tomato, maybe some avocado, some shredded carrots and cucumber. Boom, another three grams. And there's our 10-gram lunch right there. Um, another snack in the afternoon. I do tend to really love chips. If you, <laughs> if you enjoy chips, tortilla chips are the way to go. We've got whole grain from the corn. Um, so another one to two grams there from a large handful of tortilla chips. And then 
let's pair that with some salsa or dip them in some hummus, um, some pico de gallo, small amount um, with those chips, another couple grams of fiber. Um, and then rolling into dinner, if we incorporate um, beans, anything in that bean family, like we said, black beans, um, I have a can right here that I was going to share with Dr. Trotter. Um, half a cup of black beans, 10 whopping grams of fiber. Half a cup. Half a cup. That's a small handful. That's half not a, a lot. Half a cup of beans. Yeah. And that, so, that kind of gain can even be gotten from like cans of beans if someone doesn't have time to cook a full pot of beans. Absolutely, Cobb. That's a um, you know a concern that we get from a lot of our, our patients is I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Beans are one of the cheapest protein sources out there, and they also happen to be fiber-rich, as we know, and they can be incredibly quick and easy. Canned beans are fine. I do recommend choosing low-sodium canned beans, and then when you drain and rinse your canned beans, um, you get rid of another 50% of the sodium um, hanging out in that, that can of beans. So canned beans are fine. You can usually find them at around a dollar, sometimes less, a can, and that can be the bulk of your meal much more cost effective than buying a pound of meat which now can be upwards of you know seven eight dollars so like beans and tortillas that's a pretty healthy meal absolutely and tortillas going back to the the corn conversation we were having with the chips um we always recommend choosing corn tortillas over flour you'll notice the the flour tortillas not a lot of fiber the corn tortillas will give you that that great fiber so yeah that's another quick and easy for people that you know, do um, say a taco Tuesday night in their household is um, corn tortillas, black beans, you know, top it with some cabbage, some cilantro, some lime, um, throw some brown rice in there. Um, and, you know, you could pair it with a, a salad. Um, you could pair it with a, you know, a great fruit salad. You know, don't forget about the bringing fiber into your dessert as well. So lots of fun ways that we can incorporate beans in. I was shocked. How much fiber did you say was in a half a cup of beans so it depends on the bean but usually six to 11 grams black beans are are incredibly rich in fiber so they've got 10 grams and half a cup that's uh, interesting guatemala as a 16 year old in baja Vera Paz, working as a vaccinator uh they fed me black beans every meal beautiful so, every meal so you were probably having three plus cups of beans a day yeah, your microbiome was thriving. Thriving. Um, so, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Marvin Trotter, just so everybody out there knows, we're listening to KZYX, if you just tuned in, and this is the Mind Body Health Show. My name's Cobb. I'm engineering here at the Philo Studio, and our host is Dr. Marvin Trotter, and will you introduce our guest? Yes, the one and the only, the unique Annie Frazanella Ursley. A dietitian who works with me at 1050 North State Street. And the next thing I'm going to tell you is going to make everybody happy. She's going to discuss her program there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of our group of dietitians that works throughout Mendocino County at all three of our, our Adventist hospitals. And um, we offer one on one visits um, with folks or virtual or telephone visits because we know transportation can be a challenge or during the pandemic, a lot of folks aren't comfortable with in-person visits. Um, and again, we are a team. We are here to, to help you through any concerns that you have in the nutrition and wellness world. And um, we also have a diabetes education program. 
um, that just relaunched here in Ukiah that's led by um, my colleagues, Linda Aote, Mary Swenson, Iva Joe Otto. And um, we're happy that we have those group classes up and running again. Um, we also will be um, bringing our Food for Life classes um, to the Ukiah Valley. We've been running these classes in, um, in Willits and also on the coast at our hospitals. But these are um, cooking and nutrition classes that are phenomenal where you get more hands-on. And so you're talking about something like fiber as we are today, but then it, within that class, we demonstrate two or three different recipes. We sample the food, we get excited about it, and then everybody um, has the tools they need to then go home and, um, and start putting this into practice. So just to summarize, yeah, we have one-on-one -on -one visits, we have group instruction and support through our diabetes management program and our Food for Life classes that are coming in the fall. And the cost for all this? Absolutely free. We are phenomenally lucky in our department where we don't have to be dictated by your insurance provider as far as how many visits we can have with you. Um, we don't have to bill you directly. We do need a referral from a physician, nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. So if you need help with that process or have questions, please do give us a call. But um, once we have that referral, we'll contact you for scheduling and start on our wellness journey together. The, the phone number to contact us um, in the Ukiah office is 707-463-7527. Again, 707-463-7527. And up in Willits and for Fort Bragg visits as well, the number is 707-456-3132. 707-456-3132. So just to encapsulate what you just talked about, fiber, uh, whole grains. Absolutely. Fiber from beans. Yep. What else would you like to add to that? The three or four things you want people to remember. So definitely get those more on the center of your plate. Fruits, vegetables, beans especially, and uh, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. Um, and we want to start visualizing the meat, eggs, dairy more as the condiment or the side dish. Um, the other thing is, especially if you're raising a family at home, if you're in charge of shopping, meal planning for your kiddos, please encourage them to have a fruit and a vegetable at every meal. Um, have fruits and vegetables be the star of the show for snacks as well. We want to bring those high fiber foods into every meal so that we can prevent these diseases that are plaguing us here in Mendocino County just like they are around, around the world. Just to uh, let you know. I have a question. So okay. regarding fruits, you know, the easy picture examples are apples, oranges, bananas. Is there a big difference in terms of fiber in any of those three kind of commonly uh, visualized fruits as far as what I recall growing up on? Yeah, no, and that's where it's, it's what's easy for you, it's what's accessible. So all fruits are going to have anywhere between about, you know, two and five grams of fiber. There are some that are a little, a little higher, like berries and pears. Um, apples are a great superstar with about four grams um, per medium to large size apple. But the, the bottom line there, Cobb, and for everybody listening, is more fruits and vegetables. The variety is much more important than the highest fiber option. Um, so it's, again, what people can get their hands on might be a bag of frozen berries from the dollar store. That's fine. Let's throw it into a smoothie. Let's throw that into a bowl of oatmeal. Um, let's make it easy. Let's make it accessible for our families and our community. I want to talk about kids a little bit more. Um, tell me about granola. So granola can be incredibly healthy or 
pretty toxic. So if you look at different varieties of granola in the stores, some of them are quite high in sugar and added fats and not incredibly high in fiber. Um, but you can make it at home or you can purchase some varieties in the store that are pretty rich in fiber. Okay. One little trick for those of you that are label readers is we call it the five to one rule. And for every five grams of carbohydrate, we want at least a gram of fiber in there. So say it's granola where you look at the serving size, got 20 grams of carb, you know, we're hoping for four grams of, okay. of fiber in there. Five to one. Tell us about kids and processed foods. So yeah, unfortunately, I think it's, it's definitely not a secret that the majority of our children are living on, on a diet, not thriving, but living on a diet of highly processed foods. And most of our children are right up there with our adults where, you know, over 95% of them aren't getting enough fiber. Ninety-five percent. Ninety-five. So ninety-five plus percent um, of Americans are not consuming enough fiber on a daily, and that includes our kids. So when you um, talk processed foods, is that you know cookies, or is that like macaroni and cheese? Can you give some of, quick examples? Yeah, all of the above. So when we talk about processed foods, you you are right. There can be a processed food that's minimally processed. You know, you buy a can of beans. That is a a processed food. What we're concerned about is highly processed foods that are completely void of nutrients. A good way to um, to classify something as a processed or non-processed food, if you spin it around and you look at the ingredients, you should be able to identify the top three ingredients as food, not as a, <laughs> not as a chemical. Really, the really? top three. Really. The top three. The top three. And so if I look at my, my can of beans here in front of me, I look at the ingredients. Um, there's only three. The top one is organic prepared black beans, and then we have water, and then we have sea salt. We identify all three, three of those as some type of a nutrient or a food. If we look at something that is, is highly processed, we may have um, corn syrup or sugar as the, the top ingredient. Um, and as we go down the line, we may not even be able to pronounce a lot of um, those items on that long list. What about wheat flour when it comes to like a common loaf of bread, whether it's whole wheat or white bread? And sometimes the ingredients seem pretty simple, like it might just be wheat and, you know, the sugar and the salt or something like that. But then the wheat is enri enriched and there's all these vitamins added to it. Is that... That's a red choice. flag. I'm glad you asked about that, Cobb. Yeah, so if you see that, that enrichment, then it's been through a highly processing process, so to speak, where it's been stripped of all of its nutrients, and then they have to be added back in. That's a red flag. Um, so we're looking for, for foods, again, with that shorter ingredient list. We definitely, if we see grains, we want them to be whole grain versus the, the flour that's been you know, been processed further and void of, of nutrition. And again, that five to one fiber rule, if that piece of bread has 15 grams of, of, of carbohydrate, we're hoping for three grams of fiber, one for every five gram of carb. So just two seconds on soda can't sodas. And I'm guilty of Dr. Pepper, but I'm not seven. <laughs> so Yes, when it comes to soda, soda is a highly processed beverage. Soda, you know, contains a tremendous amount of sugar and is completely void of fiber and other nutrients. So it's empty calories. We've probably heard that term before. Um, and unfortunately, over time, 
you know, it can cause, it can lead to, I should say, the dysbiosis where we're disrupting our whole microbiome um, mm. because, you know, we're drinking the soda and then we're pushing out to the healthy foods and beverages. Um, so, yeah, soda is definitely linked to a lot of the diseases that are plaguing us here in the U.S. and we'd like to push it out. So, two things I'd like to say is I, I would hope that Ukiah Unified and other school districts uh, would look more and more towards what can we grow organically healthy in Mendocino County and feed it to our kids rather than bringing busloads of processed foods from out of town, um, support the local industry, um, support your local farmer's market. You know, they even give fruit away to kids at farmer's markets. Um, go to your local farmer's markets, you know, see what your school can do to provide locally grown food because I think everybody benefits that way, our economy and um, uh, the kids. The last thing that I had not ever heard of until last week when Linda, the dietitian goddess at 1050 North State Street, uh, who was too uh, scared to come on the show uh, and convinced Annie to do the show, um, she told me that the more sugar you ate as a child markedly increases your chance of becoming an addict as an adult. It's, it's quite fascinating, Dr. Trotter, where when we look at you know, what lays that foundation, what set, sets the stage through childhood into adulthood as far as our eating patterns um, and our behavioral patterns, food has a big Food plays a big role, and food addiction is something that I don't think gets discussed enough. And um, yes, I'm going to link fiber back into this because when we are talking about um, the benefits of those short-chain fatty acids that fiber and our microbiome creates, um, there's a benefit of those short-chain fatty acids that actually um, goes back to our brain and um, helps the part of the brain that um, that dictates that impulse control. And so when we have kids that from a young age up until teenage years and adulthood are eating highly processed foods and are void of a lot of that fiber, um, that portion of the brain, unfortunately, for impulse control isn't properly supported. And so addiction gets turned on more readily, whether we're talking food addiction, um, alcohol, tobacco, other drugs. Um, on the flip side, when we have kids that are consuming that fiber-rich diet, they continue that through their teenage and into adult years, then we see better impulse control um, and um, lower incidences of addiction rates. So and that's fascinating to me. May we revisit the concept of the microbiome? Because that's still pretty new out there. Can you just start over with what that is and what the process is and how that's uh, linked to fiber intake and why it matters? Definitely. Thanks. Definitely. So our microbiome, it's not just within our gut, but we have, you know, outside and inside our body, we have all these different bugs, so to speak, um, all these different types of bacteria. Some are great, some are not great. We've all probably heard about E. coli, salmonella um, that can enter into our bodies and, and wreak havoc um, and disruption. And we have a, that good and bad bacteria within our bodies the majority of the time. And our goal, though, is to encourage that good bacteria um, that leads to optimal health and wellness and then to starve out that bad bacteria. Um, and so by, by feeding the good bacteria through fiber-rich foods, we help it prolifer proliferate. We help it, it um, win the race, so to speak. And then we do, we starve out that unhealthy bacteria. Um, by doing so, 
we support our immune function. Um, we we reduce our risk for the most common diseases that are that are plaguing us. Um, we increase our longevity. Um, we of course improve our GI health, our regularity, um, our heart health. <laughs> um, we turn down the risk of obesity and diabetes. It's just it's absolutely amazing when we can continue to eat the food that fuels our microbiome on a daily basis, the amazing rewards that we reap every day. So that microbiome, again, it's, it's, we're basically classifying it as an organ um, because it is such a huge part of our, our bodies. Um, and we want to support that good bacteria daily by our food choices. Just on a couple of medical points, just um, what is um, depressing to me, uh, especially with the pandemic, 50% of the fifth graders in Ukiah Unified are overweight. 50% of the fifth graders are overweight. Only 42% could do the cardiovascular training. Only 15% could do the upper arm strength, and only 4% could do the abdominal exercises. And Casey Johnston tells me that there's been almost a tripling of the prescriptions for metformin for under 18-year-olds in Mendocino County over the last three years because of the pandemic. Metformin is the first drug you go on to control your diabetes. And I'm just saying that we need to do a better job with elementary schools, feeding, exercise, and a populace in general. And I think the classes that you're talking about would be a great thing because I can only cook eggs and bacon, okay? That is my entire cooking ability tell us about the classes available because i hope people will listen to these classes and think about this what you're feeding your child because there's a thing called metabolic x syndrome i won't go into which is fixated in the children at the age of eight or ten or twelve let's say ten and so much of this is at age twelve if you're not a physically active kid guess what you're not going to be playing tennis when you're eighteen yeah, lots of great, lots of great points there, and we definitely want to support the community and our families in you know turning over a new leaf and reversing those diseases if if they're already in in the process. And we do we see a lot of our our young folks with prediabetes, diabetes, the beginning stages of heart disease, and it's so preventable. So we will be announcing in the next couple of weeks our fall food for life classes um, here in Ukiah as well as our class series at Avenus Health Howard um, up in Willits, and then um, the Coast classes as well at Avenus Health Mendocino Coast. Um, if you are interested in those classes, I do encourage you um, to please give a call. Again, the Ukiah number, 463-7427 would be for the Food for Life classes, 463-7427. And then in Willits or for the Coast, 456 31 Three, two. And again, these are our food for life classes, um, cooking and nutrition wellness classes. And they're starting the diabetic classes again. Linda and Brenda did those for so long. They call the same phone number? Yes. So the, the number for the diabetes management classes, 4637527. Here in Ukiah, 4637527. If you have diabetes, a bunch of people with diabetes get in a room together at UVMC with great teachers and uh, they're very successful so you ready to take calls um 
Cobb? Yeah, Cobb has sure. another question. I do have a question, but to put it out there to our listeners, you're listening to Mind Body Health. Uh, we're speaking with, and correct me if I have your pronunciation, but it's Annie Frazanella Ersley. Is that correct? You've got it, sir. Okay. Dietitian is our guest. And if you want to call in with a question, the number to call is. 707-895-2448 and I'll be able to patch you through to ask your question um, to begin with my question is you know Marvin you, you mentioned just as an aside you know this concept of early onset diabetes is depressing to you and that word depressing and depression I've heard is also linked to our microbiome in terms of generating happy chemicals for our brains and things like that. And uh, what do you know about that? Annie's, Annie's uh, uh, can speak to that more than I can. And I think Annie's personal story about diet uh, should be discussed as well. Nothing, you know, but anyway, tell us about depression and eating. Definitely. So yet another benefit of, of feeding our, our healthy microbiome is there is some research, I don't have the literature in front of me, but there is research showing that, um, again, as our, our fiber intake increases, um, certain types of um, depression, anxiety, and other mental health concerns, um, we're seeing those decrease. Um, and again, they're linking that back to the anti-inflammatory aspect of the short-chain fatty acids that are produced um, by our healthy gut bacteria. Wow. So whether, yeah, whether we're talking about our emotional health, our physical health, um, you know, we can relate so much of this to our daily diet. Um, and again, bottom line, let's bring in a great variety of those high-fiber plant-based foods. Okay, and we have a, a call. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Hi, is that me? Yep, you're live oh. on the radio. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a question. My husband has Crohn's disease, and I was wondering what her thoughts were for that for his diet because fiber seems to be um, um, not so good sometimes great question absolutely and thank you for that question so yeah when we look at our common inflammatory bowel bowel diseases and Crohn's disease is definitely um, in that bucket so to speak um, we're looking to calm the inflammatory process. And you're absolutely right when the inflammation is really rearing its head. If a lot of fiber-rich foods are consumed, it can be uncomfortable. And so the idea is to slowly reintroduce those fiber-rich foods in a way that's tolerated and then gradually increase more over time so we can get back to that variety of fiber-rich foods. And um, we could go into a lot more depth, but for a lot of folks when they're trying to manage inflammatory bowel disease and bring fiber back in, we start with an, an easier digestible fiber. So we cook down our vegetables so they're nice and soft and kind of pre-digested, so to speak, um, to, to ease the digestive process. Or smoothies are another great option where you know, you're still getting the fiber, but you're blending it so it's easier for your body to, um, to reap the benefits. Okay, and we have another caller. Go ahead with your question. You're live on Mind Better Health. Are you there, caller? Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Go ahead with your question. Well, good morning, all. I'm enjoying the show. I wanted to ask about 
two foods, and then also if you had time, I'd like to give you a compliment. Uh, the foods are, I've been enjoying a lot of garbanzo beans, but I suspect they might actually be chickpeas, and so I'm wondering how does a garbanzo bean compare with, say, like a pinto bean? Great question. So all of our legumes, like we said, are, are green light ahead. We want a variety of those legumes. And there's some people that only like one type of, of bean and not another. Um, garbanzo beans and chickpeas are one and the same. Um, my grandmother, she used to call them chechi beans. Um, that was the, the Sicilian term for garbanzo beans or chickpeas. But yeah, lots of different names, but same benefits. And they're still within that legume family, still very rich in fiber. I think garbanzo beans have about six to seven grams per half cup. So still very rich source of fiber and so versatile. You know, you can bake garbanzo beans and make them a little crunchy snack. Um, is is it a bean or a bean or does it not matter? <laughs> Oh, it is in the legume family. It is a bean. It's a legume. It is a bean. Oh, okay. Yeah. The other thing, in my lifetime, eggs, the reputation of eggs has gone up and down quite a bit, and I'm just wondering what the current thinking is on eating eggs. Yeah, so currently eggs, unfortunately, you know, we're speaking about fiber today, and, and eggs are void of fiber. Um, eggs can, you know, can be pretty inflammatory as far as the digestive tract is concerned and, and the entire body. They can upregulate our, our CRP our inflammatory markers after consuming them. And so we, we definitely don't encourage that anybody increase their egg intake. Um, we encourage that folks actually decrease their, their egg intake um, while they're concurrently increasing their intake of fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. Oh, darn. Okay. I, there goes my arm. I, and, and then just real quick, I just wanted to say to you guys, last October I heard Dr. Aaron Armstrong on the show, and I ended up getting down to St. Helena, and he stented my common iliac vein, and my leg is uh, greatly improved. So if you ever wonder if your show is doing any good or not, and if it's worth the effort uh, for Cobb and Dr. Trotter, I appreciate you showing up and doing it. It sure helped me. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much for the compliment. And if you're wanting to call in with a question... Uh, please call in 707-895-2448. We'll patch you through to Mind Body Health. And we've got a lot of callers calling in, so bear with us if you're on the other end and trying to get through. And I am. Yep, you're live on the radio. Go ahead with your question. Oh, good. You're, you have covered the ingredients of, of a well-balanced meal, but what I would like to hear about is the role that saliva plays in the assimilation of the foodstuffs that we eat. Okay, thanks. Okay, so yes, yeah, saliva is actually the first part of our digestive process. Our saliva does start to, to break down our food. Um, and so we definitely want to, we forget about digestion starting in the mouth. And I think we could go a lot of different directions with this question, but we want to make sure that we're allowing that food to spend some time in the mouth, especially fiber-rich foods, because through the saliva um, starting to break down the food, as well as our teeth starting to chew and break down that food, that can, that can ease some of the discomfort that folks have when they're eating a fiber-rich diet um, simply by, um, by digesting it a little bit better. So, yes, yeah, saliva, as well as chewing thoroughly and eating more slowly can definitely help us tolerate a high-fiber diet. Okay, and... Another question. You're live on Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Hi. Um, you started the beginning of the program with the Beyond Meat kind of foods. Um, you know, 
the, veg, the plant-based fruits. And as I see it, when I look at the back of those, there's a lot of ingredients, some of which I don't know what they are. Can you clarify that, please? Oh, absolutely. Great question. So, yeah, when we look at these pseudo-meats or meat alternatives, um, that that's definitely not what I'm chatting about today. What we're chatting about today is whole food sources of fiber. Um, so those meat alternatives, whether we're looking at Beyond Meat or other products, um, you're absolutely right. They can have a long ingredients list. They can have a lot of fat and sodium and things that we don't want. And a lot of times the fiber, um, the fiber counts are relatively low. So what we're looking for as far as really supporting our, our microbiome is whole versions of fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, seeds, and whole grains not so much those processed pseudo-meat alternatives. Yes, and I think that what I was fed the last couple of weeks, I would rather have vegetables, et cetera, et cetera, and just have a small portion of chicken or whatever rather than the processed um, fake meat. Yeah, I agree. There's, you know, some folks definitely use those, those meat alternatives, um, you know, to help them be successful on a plant-based diet. But um, what really excites us as, um, as diabetes and nutrition educators is when, you know, we've given folks the tools to use whole plant-based foods and create a beautiful meal surrounding that, whether it's, you know, the taco night we were, we were speaking of or an amazing curry or a vegetarian chili that's a crowd pleaser and, um, you know, is all whole food plant-based material. Also, just think about climate change for a moment. The two things people can do most about climate change, they say the easiest is how much you drive your car and how much red meat you eat. Absolutely. Um, yeah, to talk about another great benefit of eating a plant-strong, fiber-rich diet um, is it's definitely helpful for our Mother Earth and significantly reduces our carbon footprint. And what about uh, fermented and cultured foods like sauerkraut, like yogurt? How do those fit in in a good way? Yeah, so um, yogurt, unfortunately, doesn't have the fiber we're looking for. But when we're looking at things like, you know, kimchi or, or sauerkraut, because those are made with vegetables, we're getting, you know, the fiber from the vegetables. But then, yes, the probiotic we are um, reaping a benefit from. When it comes to the, the yogurt, yes, we're getting some probiotic. But ideally, we're getting our probiotic um, you know, or feeding our probiotic through fiber-rich foods. We don't necessarily have to bring probiotic in through cultured foods. It can be beneficial, but for some, as we were talking about with those inflammatory bowel diseases, for some folks going through that type of turmoil, it's not always a good idea to be introducing you know, a lot of other strains and, and types of fermented foods. And then I have a, another question. Um, for people that are given oral antibiotic treatments for you know across the board for any number of illness conditions uh what's that effect having on our microbiome and you know how does one manage that in terms of of diet during and after that process beautiful question so yeah we've done a lot of research and included our infection prevention physicians um, in our protocols at our local hospitals um to you know, to exactly address or address this question, because we know that when folks get a short or a long course of antibiotics, it does not entirely wipe out, but it definitely disrupts our microbiome. A lot of that healthy and unhealthy unhealth bacteria is destroyed. 
Um, so there's the benefit of the, the antibiotic, but then unfortunately there's this negative side effect with that huge disruption. So the best thing that we can do is while we're on the antibiotics, um, increase our, our fiber intake variety and amount. And then also that could be a time and a place to utilize some active culture foods. And when I say active culture foods, I'm not talking about popping a really expensive probiotic pill, more so um, the discussion we were just having as far as, um, you know, bringing in, maybe it's kombucha, maybe it's a coconut water kefir, maybe it's the kimchi, the sauerkraut, that may be an opportune time to bring it in um, concurrently when you're, t when you're on the antibiotics, as well as a couple weeks after to help restore that healthy gut bacteria. Do you have a favorite um, um, probiotic drink? You know, because people ask me about that in the clinic. You know, and there seems to be several different kinds. Is there one that you like? Yes, we actually, when we were consulting with Dr. Siddiqui um, at Adventist Health Howard Memorial, starting our antibiotic probiotic protocol there some years ago, um, we found one. My colleague Anna Herbie actually found this one. It's called... Um, it's made by the company Inner Eco, and it is a coconut water probiotic. So it's the Inner Eco coconut water um, kefir, and you can purchase it um, throughout Mendocino County, everywhere from Ukiah Natural Foods, Rayleigh's Supermarket, Mariposa Market up in Willits, and um, at Harvest over in, in Fort Bragg. And we encourage our patients, we actually give it to our patients on antibiotics, um, one to two tablespoons a day. It's a nice small dose where they still get four strains of healthy bacteria and large amounts to help um, proliferate the, the healthy microbiome after antibiotics. And we may have time for one last call. They've been on hold. Let's find out. If you've been waiting there, you're live on the radio and you got just a few minutes to ask your question. Oh, give thanks. Um... I had two questions, and I can't remember what the second one was now. I'm very appreciative of this show. You know, always have nice topics and stuff, but especially today, I like this. Yeah, just enough time I, to get your question okay, out. Okay, olive oil. What comments can you make about olive oil? I do a lot of cooking Great question. with olive oil. Okay, thanks. Yes, yeah, so olive oil and... People aren't going to like me for this. Olive oil is considered a processed food. You think of, you know, the pure olive growing on that tree, and then, you know, we're, we're leaching out the olive oil. We're missing the fiber. Um, so, unfortunately, olive oil, while it is, you know, a healthier class of oils that's low in saturated fat, it's, it's richer in monounsaturated fats, um, I personally would not tout it as, as a health food. Um, so if, if you enjoy cooking with olive oil, you know, great, better to be using that instead of lard or butter or bacon fat. <laughs> but we definitely less is more when it comes to even healthy oils like avocado oil and olive oil. So I would recommend um, purchasing a little spritzer and just spritzing a fine mist or, um, you know, getting rid of the olive oil altogether. And you can do a broth saute or a water saute when you're cooking um, vegetables or other items in your fry pan or saucepan. Okay, Thank we have you just very much, much, Annie. Yeah, and Go if ahead. you could, if you could just say who you are, Annie, again, and what your programs are, and their contact information, we have just enough time to get that out. Absolutely. So yes, I am Annie Fresnello Ursley, dietitian, diabetes educator, working with Adventist Health and throughout the county, 
and um, I help manage our outpatient nutrition and diabetes education programs at all three hospitals. And the contact information, again, for Ukiah, if you'd like to reap some of our benefits, um, the diabetes education line for Ukiah is 463-7527, 463-7527. The nutrition line for Ukiah, 463-7427. Again, four six three seven four two seven, and then for Willits, our our line is four five six three one three two. Again, four five six three one three two. If you're over on the Mendocino coast and looking to set up a nutrition visit, it is also that Willits number four five six three one three two. Okay, and we have been listening to Mind Body Health. Thanks so much for being with us and sharing all this information. Thank you and, so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and Dr. Marvin Trotter, thanks for being our host yet again. My pleasure. Thank you, Cobb, for doing all the work you do. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.